This is Air Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jess Hanan. And I'm Jamal Dajani. Jamal, the genocide in Palestine and specifically in Gaza right now continues unabated. The war crimes that are being committed against Palestinian civilians in the Gaza Strip right now has increased dramatically. The Israeli military has invaded Gaza as we speak. They're engaging in battles in, in among the civilian population in Gaza. We now have most recent uh, data suggesting that over 8,000 Palestinian civilians have been killed and murdered. Of those 8,000, almost 4,000 are children. The majority of the uh, people who have been killed in Gaza right now by the Israeli military are women and children. 50% of the buildings in Gaza right now have been destroyed or are inhabitable. We have over a million internally displaced Palestinians within Gaza who are already refugees. The situation is catastrophic. There's still no food, water, medicine, or fuel coming into Gaza on a regular basis. Hospitals are completely shut down. Babies in incubators are dying because of lack of fuel for the hospitals in Gaza. It is not just a war crime and genocide, Jamal. It is a crime against humanity, and the world is watching. It is, Jess, and uh, actually the figures that you gave, they're accurate for now. So by the time this broadcast airs or tomorrow or the day after, and in fact, the figures change every few hours. So as of now, you're correct, 8,000 have been killed, uh, almost 4,000 children have been killed, and and the, you know every night Israel intensifies its bombing. And now they are trying to have uh, to penetrate basically into Gaza. They have troops, according to the Israeli reports in Gaza, who have been facing uh, heavy resistance. So we don't know what this will bring. And uh, we're well, gonna, we we're, we're going to talk. We do know what it's going to bring, but uh, we're, we're, we'll get updates. On, I'm sorry to interrupt. We're going to get updates on all of that, but I, I think we need to go to this really fantastic interview you did with Dr. Assad Abu Khalil, who's a professor of political science at CSU Stanislaw, who's discussing the ongoing genocide in Gaza and provides the historical context of 75 years of slaughter, ethnic cleansing, and settler colonialism, and how the Western governments have kind of permitted this to go on for so many decades. It's, it's a really great interview. That's right. Let's watch Dr. Assad Abu Khalil. Palestinians in Gaza have endured three weeks of non-stop, intensive bombardment by Israel. Last night was the deadliest and bloodiest yet. The Israeli military spokesperson distributed a map asserting that the Al-Shifa hospital was the headquarters of Hamas's leadership. Hamas denied this, but an hour later, Israel cut off all power and internet in Gaza in order to isolate the people as it conducted a major attack by air, sea, and land. Journalists and citizen jurists were prevented from reporting to the outside world and bearing witness to the slaughter. Israel killed hundreds of Palestinians overnight, and with no power, emergency services were not able to reach the injured in time to help them. Joining us to discuss this and more is Dr. Asad Abu Khalil. He's professor of political science at California State University, Stanislas. is also author of the widely read Angry Arab blog. Welcome back to Arab Talk, Assad. Thank you, Jamal. Thank you for inviting me. Israel, the United States, many Western countries, and media outlets are intent on pegging the timeline of the Gaza onslaught to the October 7th Hamas attack on Israeli military bases and settlements. This allows them to justify the brutal bombing of Gaza that followed. They refuse to recognize the 75-year history of Israel's ongoing settler colonialism of Palestinian land because this would give context to the attack and undermine their rationale. Please put this into context for us. I think the context is a very long one, in fact. It's longer than 75 years. The Zionist project has begun in the late 19th century on the basis of the premise that we can only achieve our goal by using mass violence on the native population. Even as early as the 1890s, Ahad Haram, one of the key leaders of cultural Zionism, wrote an article in which he criticized his fellow Zionists for the way they mistreated and beaten and abused the native population of the Palestinians. 
and it continued all the way even before 1948. It was in the 1930s, I need to, remem- to remind the audience, where the first instruments of terrorism ever used by any group in the Middle East were first pioneered by the Zionist gangs in Palestine. That's when they first started car bombs, bus bombs, ambulance bombs, when they first threw grenades at uh, crowded markets, when they used letter bombs against the British. All these were started in the 1930s when the Palestinians had barely any weapons of uh, resort. Uh, And in fact, the Palestinians, for much of their history until the late 1960s, tried what they are now preached to, which is the course of nonviolence. And it got them nowhere. Even the word Palestinians, as late as 1967, does not appear once in United Nations Security Council Resolution 242. What the Western Zionist and racist, I mean, for the first time we are now seeing, especially in the wake of Ukraine war, how race is a drive and a determinant of U.S. and Western foreign policy. It's about race. I mean, they don't like the Arabs, they don't like Palestinians, because they think they are inferior. They are not as worthwhile as Israelis or as Ukrainians. They belong to their own race and ethnicity. Even local Christians, Palestinians and Arab Christians don't matter to them because they are still fundamentally backward people. I mean, when Bretton Netanyahu in a tweet, famous tweet that now has since been deleted, uh, has since been deleted, said about children of darkness versus children of civilization, he was to a lightness. That's what he was talking about. I mean, the children, he was justifying the murder of children. And the, this time, I mean, Nasser in 1967, uh, uh, and he should be fondly remembered for that. He said, I'm not fighting Israel alone. It's the United States' full partner. And at that time, as you remember, there were critics of Nasser who mocked him to this very day. How do you accuse the Gulf, I mean, the West and so on? He was right. But this time, the U.S. has revealed its its face as a full partner in the war of aggression, crime against humanity, against the Palestinians, because for the first time, the United States does not trust that Israel can take care of itself. And for that reason, it has allowed us to see that it is indeed a full partner, not only in propaganda and justification of murder, but also in the planning and designing of the war crimes happening in Gaza. The fact that they are shut out the media, this was an American advice given to Israel back in 1987 by Henry Kissinger. So we see a continuation of that. If we want to talk about violence, we speak about the whole course of Zionist history. We also need to stop talking about the cycle of violence. It's not a cycle. A cycle has no beginning and no end. The violence in the Middle East has a beginning, and it's a Zionist movement, and it's the birth of the state of Israel on top, atop the Palestinian nation, and the expulsion of 750,000 Palestinians, the majority of the population. And that's what started it all. I mean, if you want to pretend that history began October 7, do that, because that's the only way in which you can uh, convince people who are ill-informed in the West, that really everything was fine, that the Palestinians were in a state of prosperity and bliss, and suddenly this Hamas organization came out of nowhere and attacked the Israelis. Well, in the last year alone, as you all know, Palestinians have been killed at the rate of at least one per day, and oftentimes even more than that. One per day. They are killing them, but we don't hear about it. Why? Because they are Palestinian. Palestinian lives do not matter to the West. But trust me, they matter to us Arabs. And we remember them one by one, name by name, ID by ID, as was released by the health ministry in Gaza. What about uh, the European countries, the UK, France, Germany, and other Western countries who not only refuse to recognize that there is a genocide, uh, an ongoing genocide, and they're giving Israel the green light to continue, these are the same countries uh, who were party to international laws established after World War II to prevent such war crimes. Why aren't they being applied? Is there an exception, the same thing like what the United States is doing, an exception for Palestine, Arab, and Muslim countries? There are no exceptions. They are all full partners. There are no nice European countries and bad European countries. The West is a solid coalition. Look at the way they responded in Ukraine. Look how much they glorified the violence when it's against Russia. How much they glorified sanctions against Russia. In the case of the Palestinians, not only they want to deprive the Palestinians from the eternal right to self-defense, they want to even deprive them of the right of civil disobedience, of the right of nonviolent struggle. 
Is there anything more non-violence than boycotts? Imagine there are laws in the states of the United States on the books against peaceful boycott of Israel. They are illegal in the United States. Imagine that. When the United States is a most practitioner, the biggest practitioner of boycotts around the world against countries and states that it doesn't like. And anyway, disobeys the United States is classified immediately as a state sponsoring terrorism or as a terrorist organization. So I am not fooled by any Western delineation between Switzerland and others. Just Switzerland this day, I woke up today to read the news. They deprived of funding various Israeli and Palestinian organizations because they deviated from the line. We were never fooled by these European distinctions. And Europe has become solidly behind the United States. There is no de Gaulle anymore who can differ and disagree with the United States. Look what happened to Jack Chirac in 2003. That was the last time any European dared to disagree with the United States. And that was the end of it. We find today all the NATO countries, all European countries, Finland, Switzerland, Sweden, these supposedly nice idealistic countries are all partners in the war of aggression. And the Arabs are not dumb. They see for, their, for themselves that what is happening in Palestine is not the deed of the, state, the apartheid state of Israel. They have been accustomed to the aggression and terrorism of Israel. But now they are seeing the Western world, the entire Western world. Look at the racism in the public discourse. Look at the way Arabs are invited to TV shows in order to be put on trial. Do you condemn? Do you condemn? Who are you to ask me? Who are you? You are not my judge. I want to ask you. Who are you to demand condemnation? When you are part of the original sin in Palestine, you Western nation were the sponsor of this project that planted the seeds of terrorism in the entire Middle East. The state of Israel had been a party to all these wars in our region. I am 63 years old in my lifetime. Israel has bombed Tunisia, Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Lebanon, Syria, Palestine, Jordan, Iraq. What did I leave out? And in 1973, they downed a civilian airliner. And in 1950, they downed a Lebanese civilian airliner. 1954, the first hijacking, a Syrian airliner, they hijacked it. This is the record of the state of Israel that they don't want to go back to. They just want to stop history, to freeze it on October 7th. Before it, we were living all in peace. That's not going to run with people with memory. We are people with memory. You are the people without memory, not you, Jamal, of course, talking about the Western uh, nation. But I think what is happening today is it's not a bad thing for Arabs and Muslims to see the West for what it is, very far from their propaganda claims, from the way they present themselves to us. We see the free Berlin, how much the Cold War spent billions on portraying free Berlin, West Berlin, as being the place, the alternative to communism. Well, free Berlin banned the display of Palestinian flags. They banned the display of kufiyas in schools. Demonstrations. What? Demonstrations. There is an increasing public outcry, though, in spite of uh, desperate attempts uh, by Israel, the United States, uh, to invoke the self-defense justification and so on. And we, we've been witnessing thousands of people who are turning out worldwide to protest the bombing of Gaza and demand a ceasefire, including uh, anti-Zionist Jewish Americans. Do you think that this will have an impact on politicians or, or the outcome or just like going to go unnoticed? I think it will be noticed. And I think what happened in Grand Central Station in New York City will be noticed. And I think that progressive Jews have always been on the forefront of struggle for Palestinians. I used to be very active in speaking on college campuses in Europe, Canada, and the United States. And I've always seen that Students for Justice and Palestine clubs on college campuses always included uh, Jewish students, always. Uh, however, there is a generational change. We find that Americans who are over the age of 65, 81% of them solidly behind Israel. That percentage goes down to 30% among people who are young. For that reason, I think, on the long term, Israel is going to lose the battle. Because why? Because people who are reliant on news media of TV and newspapers get to the Zionist narrative only. But the social media, unfortunately for Israel, cannot be controlled the way you control the New York Times op -ed pages or Washington Post. Zionist organization go there, meet with the publisher, and ask to censor the Palestinian point of view. Just they are doing now with college campuses. Imagine what happened in University of Pennsylvania and Harvard. They don't want students to have the right to express their pro-Palestinian views. But on social media, it's free for all. To an extent, of course, it is subject to restriction, more so on Meta than on Twitter and so on. There are variations. But I think that eventually, but, but the thing is, I was never one of those Arab Americans 
who pleaded with the West and who wanted the West to come and save us. I think the change is going to come from over there. People are going to get to their own liberation in their own hands. Not at the anybody who was fooled by the peace process, which was intended to fool us, is mistaken. You know, the other day I read, yesterday I read in the Washington Post about how they invited a group of Muslim Arab Americans that you and I have never heard of before to the White House and to meet with the officials of the White House. And you know what they started to do? They started to cry. They started to shed tears. I mean, this is not the message that I want Arabs to deliver. We need to, to deliver an angry message that Arab Americans, Muslim Americans are not slaves of the Democratic Party, the way the Democratic Party has treated black Americans, that we are going to be assertive of our rights. And I used to tell people that if you vote for you know, these Democrats or those Republicans, it doesn't matter to me, you, know, you are going to be eventually regretful because they will witness another massacre in Palestine and they are going to endorse it, whether it's Democrat or Republican, Obama or Biden or Trump or anybody else. Although I have to say that in my lifetime, Biden has proven to be one of the most dangerous presidents in my memory, the one who poses the most threat towards peace and security ever since Second World War. There was a message from Gaza to the leaders of the Arab world, and it says, don't mourn for us, we're still alive, but you're already dead. Do you foresee any pushback from anywhere in the Arab world other than empty words? Well, I mean, Arab governments, I don't state anything, of course, never. I've never been disappointed by them because I never had faith in any of them. I think I've more faith with the Arab people, and I've seen a lot of display of uh, solidarity and support with Palestinians. I mean, there were massive demonstrations in Yemen, in Jordan, in Morocco, in Tunisia. There was demonstration in Bahrain. Uh, Oman has been one of the, the forefront, the people of Bahrain has been registering Kuwait, Lebanon. All these countries have shown how much Palestine is central in the political culture of the region, more so than ever. And I think the West doesn't want to admit that. The West wants to believe that few potentates in the Gulf can speak for the Arab people. I mean, they have to accept that assumption because otherwise they would have to come to reality that the best reflection of what Arab people want is to have democracy. And the West has fought democracy tooth and nail in our region since the Second World War. They don't want it because they know it is antithetical to their interests. They prefer to have dictatorship because they can deliver their own demand. And uh, the Arab people have made it very clear how Palestine is important to them. And I think the message will be read by Arabs and by Westerners. During the World Cup, we saw huge support for Palestinians among the people and the rejection of Israel, uh, which is now we're talking about this contrary to, to their leaders. These people are showing up again en masse, as you've mentioned, to show solidarity uh, with Gaza and call for a ceasefire. Are these leaders that I'm talking about the ones who got into the uh, peace talks with Israel and, and the Abraham Accords? What do you think they're thinking to themselves now? Well, I think they are hoping. I mean, they tried to uh, uh, sidestep or they tried to bury the Palestinian question. They thought it's unimportant. And they were telling the West it's unimportant. And the peace process people, Dennis Ross and others, and Thomas Friedman, we're writing, have been writing, the Washington Institute for many years, they said, the Palestinian problem is not important. And they rely often on manufactured public opinion surveys in which they want to prove that the Arabs do not have problem with Israel. And of course, Arabs prove the contrary to that in the streets of Arab capitals. And if there are more freedoms in the Arab world, you would see much more demonstrations, especially in Saudi Arabia, where you see on social media, I was very surprised, even people who in the past ordered their governments in the UAE and Saudi Arabia have come out publicly in support of the Palestinians. So there is a sense of awkwardness and discomfort on the part of these potentates. And I think the West doesn't want to admit it. The West can handle and do business with despots only. This is why they love Anwar Sadat. From Jimmy Carter to George W. Bush, he is their idol because he was a despot who made peace with Israel, prostrated to the Israelis in the Knesset and then went home, and whoever disagreed with peace with Israel, he put them in jail. Of course, he wound up being killed for that, but that's a, that's a model that they like. This is why they keep saying, why can't there be more Sadat? Well, I mean, because Sadat was killed, I guess that's going to send a message. But there were Arab leaders who tried to do another Sadat, and look what happened. In Lebanon, we had an example of the Jamayel family tried to achieve a peace treaty, humiliating one with Israel in 1983. And of course, the people of Lebanon revolted, 
and it was totally abrogated. It didn't last. And the one who was a symbol of alliance with Israel, Bashir Jamail, was uh, assassinated nearly weeks after his installation, not election, installation as president of Lebanon uh, in 1982. Pivoting to Western media coverage, uh, we are reliving what happened during the Iraq war. Biased coverage, journalists regurgitating Israeli military press releases and talking points. Haven't uh, journalists learned their lesson from the Iraq war when they all promoted false stories like the New York Times, Judith Miller, and uh, Iraq's so-called uh, WMDs? No, they haven't learned. I mean, I think that the notion there are free media in the West is totally untrue. The media is not free. They are beholden, one, to financial interests, which are political in nature. And they are also beholden to the government military and intelligence services, which supply them with their exclusive stories. I mean, the Washington Post is a mere voice of the intelligence community. The New York Times is for the military and the intelligence and the U.S. government and the Democratic Party. You compare it to the Iraq war, no. Jamal, I see it as worse. I've never seen Western media, and that doesn't displease me, as blatantly one-sided, biased like I've seen it in the last few weeks. And that's a good thing, because I've always argued to the Arab people that there, is no, there are no free media in the, in the West. They are just like Basist media in Syria or like uh, Saudi media. They are the same, but they are more sophisticated. They are not sophisticated anymore. They are crude. They are blunt in their propaganda for everybody to see. There is no another point of view. All of these media, I mean, I remember in 2003 when I used to go on college campuses, people would tell me, what's the alternative to US media? I would say the Guardian of England, the Independent of England. It's not anymore. The Independent now had a financial relationship with the Saudi government, and the Guardian has been rebought. Liberation in France has changed ownership. And now they are all the same. They don't, there's no difference. We've seen them in the war on Syria. We've seen how democracy now was not different from the New York Times. Nation Magazine, the same. Uh, Jacobin, Atlantic. I think there's a spectrum. This is like, uh, this is like one of the French philosophers said, you know, the myth of diversity of opinion in, uh, in, in, in Western media. I mean, it's like going to the supermarket and seeing all these cereal boxes for breakfast. You see so many kinds with bananas, with potatoes, with whatever you, you want, but the ownership is all Nabisco. It's all one company. The same thing with the media. The diversity of the media is totally deceptive because they are all delivering the same agenda. Fox News and MSNBC now are indistinguishable in their coverage. And then there's NBC. Imagine they even shut down for a while those lone three dissenters, mild dissenters, because they don't offend their viewers. Imagine if these stations ever were to free somebody who is pro-Israeli. There would be an outcry. I mean, imagine now in Boston what's happening. There is a hedge fund billionaire who spent money to hire these buses showing the students' faces and names right. because they were active in Palestinian. How is the ACLU not being active on this? How come there is no outcry? Where are the people who speak about freedom of speech? Don't you export freedom of speech merchandise to the Middle East and lecture to us and hector us about freedom of speech? But of course, in reality, we know it is. These are slogans that are used by the West entirely against their enemies. They want democracy in Iran and Syria, but they don't want democracy anywhere else because they are more than happy with the potentates that are in power. Israel previously talked about dividing Gaza into two areas, north and south. During this bombardment, they obliterated northern Gaza, forcing hundreds of thousands of Gazans to flee south or perish. What is Israel's endgame here? I think Israel's ultimate goal is to basically try to expel the entire population of Gaza. And they are trying to do that. They've been trying to do that, and they are not shy about it. I mean, this is a state that has expelled populations time after time. It is not the first time. Look at the population of Jerusalem. There has been a deliberate policy of driving Jerusalemites out of Jerusalem. People in the West Bank and Western countries that are totally inhospitable to Arab immigration do not mind Palestinians to come to their land because they want them out of Palestine to make it easier for the state of Israel to maintain the myth of democracy by vote, when in reality it's a democracy by mass expulsion uh, of a, the indigenous population. So they're going to try to do it in Gaza. The Egyptian government and the Jordanian government spoke against that because they don't want more Palestinian refugees 
in their midst and because they want to foil the plan of what Israel is up to. Uh, but I think the West wouldn't mind it. I really believe now, I really believe that there is nothing Israel can do to the Palestinians that the West would frown upon. I have no doubt, and I'm sure you agree with me, if Israel were to drop a nuclear weapon on Gaza, not a single member of Congress will disagree, except the 18 people who voted against the resolution for Israel. And you know, every one of the 18, Jamal, every one of them is a person of color, either Latino or African-American. Not a single white person, not a single white person descended. And in the resolution in the Senate, they were 97 to 0. And the three people who did not vote were not there because of protests. They actually were co-sponsored of the resolution. There is no dissent. And if Israel were to drop a nuclear weapon, they would be in support, Democrats and Republicans. And, it would, and America, you know what they would do? It would replenish their nuclear arsenal with more nuclear bombs to use them in the future. And Israel has that message. I mean, if Israel today is out of control, it is because America has made it. The entire West, from Sweden to the United States, they have made it out of control because they sent them the message. There are no limits to the cruelty and savagery that you want to inflict on the Palestinians. We will support you. Because these are backward people as far as we're concerned. They are not white. They are not Ukrainian. You've mentioned that uh, President Biden is one of the most dangerous presidents the, that you witnessed in your lifetime. There is a concern that this could expand to a regional war dragging Hezbollah, Syria, Iran. Is this his intent? Do you, do you feel is this the next step? I don't think so. I think he's scared of Hezbollah. No question about that. And they tried to smash Hezbollah in 2006. And let me tell you, the outcome was utterly undesirable for Israel. They were humiliated on the battlefield. They could not advance one inch into the territory of Lebanon. It was one of the worst humiliations for Israel. For 33 days, a band of volunteers, not even an army, took them for 33 days. This is when Israel bragged about winning against three Arab armies, six, seven, in few hours. They call it few hours war. Well, it's no more the case. And they are not going to be able to smash, uh, you know, the people's resistance in Palestine, West Bank or Gaza in few hours anymore. It's different. I think they are dealing with a different resistance than the PLO. It is not the bravado of Arafat and not about the empty statements and not about these disorganized ragtag militias that they uh, sponsored. It's a different generation. People who've learned the lessons of the past, people have more commitment and defiance than ever displayed by all Arabs in their wars against Israel. And for that reason, America today is scared for Israel. It doesn't trust it can win the war. And for that reason, U.S. is making sure that the war does not expand with Hezbollah. Even though the war is going on between Hezbollah and Israel, it hasn't stopped every single day. People do not pay attention. Because you have people in the Gulf media saying, where's Hezbollah? Well, I mean, you are the last person to ask that question. Because in 2006, when Hezbollah had a major war with Israel, the Gulf regimes were the first one who said, look what they've done. We will blame them. They took the region to war. They, they destroyed they the country, they said. Right. I mean, they, they uh, damn if you do, damn if you won't. If they start a the war, they blame them. If they don't start a war, they tell them, what are you doing? You know, in the Riyadh last night, there was a night of entertainment a celebration of entertainment in Riyadh on the night when Gaza was being incinerated. This is going to be remembered by Arabs, primarily by Saudis, because the Saudi people are very deep in their attachment to Palestine, the most, according to public opinion survey. And even the ruling suddenly admitted that, that the Saudi people care about Palestine. Dr. Asad Khalil, thank you for joining us on Arab Talk. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Take care. That's the voice in the face of Dr. Assad Abu Khalil, professor of political science at CSU Stanislaw. Well, Jamal, that's something, I mean, it's, it's, it was a really great interview. And what, what was discussed between the two of you is something that is completely missing from all of the analysis that's going on right now in the mainstream media. And even in that so-called progressive, some aspects of the progressive media, there's there's decontextualizing and dehistoricizing where we are today based on the 75 years of settler colonialism 
uh, and colonization of historic Palestine. It's not being talked about. Well, I mean, in short, and I don't want to summarize the entire interview because uh, you've watched it. It's 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 very uh, important for everyone to watch and and listen to. But the context here, Jess, uh, it should be a simple context, but it's not. The Western media and Israeli media, well, when I say Western media, because Western media just basically copy and paste what the Israeli, Israeli media, and actually not the Israeli media, because even the Israeli media is better than the Western media. They copy and paste That's the right. Israeli military press releases. And they try to tell the entire world that there is uh, this war or whatever they name it, war, conflict, attack, etc. started uh, on, on October 7th. That's, 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 this is not the real story. You know, uh, Palestinians have been under attack. They've been, get, they've been getting killed by Israelis. Uh, their land has been pillaged, uh, ethnically cleansed for 75 years. And, and it's very, and, and more, according to Dr. Asad Abu Khalil, it's more. But let's say the 1948 is the, the, the date. And no one has raised a finger about that. No one has uh, criticized Israel. Uh, they let it continue every day on a daily basis. Every single day there's a Palestinian getting killed. And this is, we're not talking about October 7th. We're not talking about Hamas. We're talking about the West Bank. We're talking about land, right. con land confiscation, deportation, taking over of people's homes, burning their olive, olive trees and so forth. Every single day, and and that's why Dr. Asad Abu Khalil puts a historical context on this extermination, basically an extermination. And also, what's more important than this is the indifference. And I'm I'm not talking about the the masses. I'm talking about governments, Western governments, governments, and, and Western yeah. media. Basically, looking the other way or giving Israel a wink and a nod. That what this is what President Biden did when he flew to Tel Aviv. He just went there and gave Israel the green light to start a genocide, and it did. Well, well, well that's right, Jamal. I wouldn't even say uh, a wink and a nod. I mean, the disinformation coming from the White House, the hypocrisy coming from the White House, the green lighting, as you say, of the uh, genocide that's occurring in Gaza right now is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, we need to let our listeners and viewers know, most of them know this, that, that the Israeli military and its government and its apartheid regime would never, ever be able to do this without the full backing support and green lighting of Joe Biden, of Antony Blinken, and the U.S. government. So my question, and what we need to tackle, and we're going to talk about a lot of things today, is that the complicity here is beyond... Benjamin Netanyahu and its war cabinet that are committing this genocide. The United States, uh, the NATO allies, the Western powers are equally, if not more, complicit because they are green lighting this. They can't even bring themselves, Jamal, the United States, to even say, let's have a ceasefire. They have vetoed two ceasefire uh, amendments and, uh, uh, at the Security Council in the United Nations. They, have, they, they are not even willing to let humanitarian aid in. They're not even willing to let hospitals function. They're not even willing to let food and, 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 and water and medicine in. So my question back to you is like, how far does this complicity extend right now when you see President Joe Biden going to Tel Aviv and hugging, giving a bear hug of love to Benjamin Netanyahu, basically a war criminal now? Well, I mean... You know, one thing that comes out of all of this, it's let's stop the, ch the charade that we've been living under, or people at least, drinking the Kool-Aid that the United States, yeah. uh, you know, looks after the interests of Palestinians or wants peace or that slogan that they keep repeating or the motto, the two-state solution. It's all nonsense. And it is and, and the Dr. Asad Abu Khalil said two important things. It, it, it stuck in my mind, yes. Two things. First thing that he said was that, that uh, and you know, he's a well-known professor, he's been teaching political science. He, he did not just come out of nowhere. Right. And he said during his lifetime, 
And during his career, he thinks that President Biden is the worst president and and the most warmongering president that he had true. as witness in his entire life. Okay, that's that's something it's true. Because everybody, yeah, yeah, especially uh, I have to say, Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, out of fear from not not to vote to Donald Trump, everyone went stood in the lines of in in Detroit, in Ohio, in California, everywhere to vote for Biden because they thought that he is going to be fair and balanced. Well, full stop. It didn't. The other thing he said. And 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 it's very troubling. He said, with the exception of probably eighteen congress congressmen and congresswomen, and and most of them, and not most of sorry, all of them are people of color, who, you know, once want to see a ceasefire. He said, if Israel today or tomorrow drops a nuclear bomb on Gaza, not a single one will raise a finger or complain or accuse Israel or say or say anything. And which is, you know, this is very strong to show you the position of this administration, the position of of, of U.S. Congress, and of course, you know, he goes on that this goes way, you know, it's all associated with 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 the anti-Arab, anti-Muslim racism and so forth going up decades, if not hundreds of years. And, and and this is very troubling. I mean, this is very troubling. Now, now as I've said this, and he, he, he the same thing, the, the big shock, and this is where I see the Zionists on social media and their surrogates like former Ambassador Freeman and others saying, how dare all these masses march in London? I can't believe the thousands of people... <laughs> pro-Palestinian people marching and condemning Israel. Read that. I, I ask everybody just to go there, go on Twitter, go on TikTok, yeah, yeah. Facebook. You'll see that over and over again. And that's the difference is that you have the global masses. They are not fooled by their governments. They are not fooled by the Zionist media apparatus that, that controls everything You know that we say or do, whatever. They are not fooled when, you know, you bring in any uh, Palestinian uh, or um, Arab American, and the first question you ask them: Do you condemn Hamas? Do you condemn this? Do you recognize Israel's right, right to exist, and so forth? You never dare to do this to someone from Ukraine. You never dare to do this to anyone. You don't ever bring an Israeli and you said, "Hey, do you condemn the seventy-five years of ethnic cleansing that your government ha- uh, has been conducting?" So all of this now they are crystal clear that we have Western governments led by the United States and the others are followers. And then you have the mass support for Palestinians across across the globe. But I think that's exactly right, Jamal, and that kind of, that kind of um, split between uh, uh, Western governments and what's happening on the street is going to continue to cause the profound nature of the hypocrisy to be exposed even more. I mean, you basically had what some people described as the largest uh, protest in the history of London, in the history of the UK occurring in London yesterday. Half a million. People were saying they had never, yeah, people had said they had never seen this mass demonstration of uh, in London ever. And this is 500,000 people coming out supporting Palestine condemning the genocide being committed by Israel in Gaza. And it what's extraordinary, and it happened in Italy. It happened in uh, Washington, D.C. It happened in New York. They shut down Grand Central Station. We had demonstrations all over the world. So my question back to you, Jamal, have you seen any people marching in the streets supporting genocide and the uh, apartheid regime of Israel? You just don't see it. But you see their surrogates coming on TV protected by the mainstream media, being able to support uh, and, uh, you know, basically say, yeah, it's okay to ethnically cleanse uh, Palestine, you know, to get to, to, I I mean, I saw this outrageous, uh, so many outrageous comments saying, well, we have to get to Hamas as a justification for killing six, you know, 8,000 civilians, 4,000 of whom are children. It's, it's unbelievable. 
Uh, but I do want to go back to something you said, Jamal, because I think there's going to be something really important that's going to happen. You've heard me make these predictions before when I said maybe Donald Trump will be president again in 2024. I actually believe that based on what we're seeing today, that possibility of Donald Trump being our next president in the United States has increased significantly because guess what? I don't believe Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, and younger generation uh, communities of color are going to come out and vote for Joe Biden. And if Joe Biden loses the presidency, then what he did to support genocide in Palestine and support this uh, criminal enterprise against Palestinian civilians, it'll be on his hands that he lost the election. And I know this sounds kind of weird to say this, but maybe the United States government should, uh, maybe this country should uh, have Donald Trump again as kind of a punishment for the lack of political will that they're showing right now. Well, I don't know if I want to see Donald Trump in power or any, any, actually anyone tell you the truth from both the Republican or Democratic uh, Party. However, one thing for sure, uh, Arab Americans, Muslim Americans are not gonna going to vote for for Biden. They're not going to go and or young people. help help or young win, people. Uh, uh, no. One of the major swing states, uh, Michigan, Michigan, uh, for example. Right. If he's going to lose that, he's gone, and his popularity is less than twenty five percent. The last time I, I've checked, so I don't know what who what is he doing. I mean, this is he, I, I agree hundred percent with Doctor Asad Abu Khalil. He's the most war murdering president in our lifetime. I mean, here he is, you know, pouring fire, uh, pouring uh, gas on, on, on the fire in, in Gaza, and he was just wants to see this whole, uh, basically, the whole extermination process of Palestinians in Gaza. And I'm saying that, I'm saying this is, and this is not something I say it very lightly, there is an extermination process. Today, it was reported in the Israeli media that the plan, because I asked Dr. Asad Abu Khalil, what's the end game? And then he said this, the ethnic, of course, the end game is always and has been the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. But in the Israeli media today, they caught the head of their um, security ministry or intelligence ministry. And they, had the, they put the plan and they put the plan in process to ethnically cleanse 2.3 million Palestinians out of Gaza. And they want them to go to Egypt. And, and people were thinking, well, that's temporary move, you know, that whole gameplay, telling them move from the north to the south and then bomb them. And Never. this whole ferocious attack on hospitals, schools, killing, killing uh, UN workers, the UNRWA, doctors, ambulances, and so forth, is really part of Plan Dalit, which they've applied in 1948. It's a, it's a continuation, which is really spreading fear, aside from the murder and the killing spread fear so people would leave. Because That's Israel right. Israel says to the world, oh, we want to get rid of Hamas. No, don't believe them. Israel wants to get rid of the Palestinians so, so it will annex Gaza. That's, that's basically that's right. that's something they tried to do uh, until, until uh, the war monster uh, Ariel Sharon through the through the towel because uh, because basically Gaza has a high population and they were sustaining a lot of losses to protect few thousand at the time settlers living there. Those are the settlers, by, by the way, that uh, uh, that they are they live in nearby settlements in uh, outside of Gaza. They were inside Gaza, and it was just a calculated risk for him. But now they believe, okay. Well, we couldn't rule on those at the time. I think the population was about 1.6 1, 1. million. Now it's about 2.3 million. Let's get rid of them all. Let's just kill as many exactly. as possible. And the rest, convince Egypt to take them, to convince other countries, and then we'll gain more territory because it's all about gaining more land. But that's precisely what this is all about, Jamal. You're exactly right. We've been talking about this for years and years and years. The ultimate plan for the apartheid regime is to depopulate Palestinians from historic Palestine and indigenous population from historic Palestine. They're using what's happening in Gaza as an excuse to depopulate Gaza. You know, they told Palestinians, uh, Jamal, in the north to go to the south to become safe. 
and in the process of families leaving, they bombed and killed them on the way to, quote, safety. There is no safe space in Gaza. And in the meantime, Jamal, which is not getting reported in the mainstream media, you're seeing Palestinians being killed, arrested, detained in the West Bank. You see settlers shooting and killing Palestinians. Okay, by the way, sorry, they're attacking students at uh, Israeli university. university. The, the, these, are, these are Palestinians with Israeli citizenship. They're attacking their dorms. So this is how bad it's going to get. That's right. That's right. That's right. And the uh, one of the security ministers said to the Palestinians who have Israeli citizenship, "If you make pro, if you support uh, the you know uh, uh, ceasefire or anything like that, and make pro-Palestine comments, we're going to send you to Gaza." I mean, they're making such outrageous uh, criminal uh, statements, and these are quote Israeli citizens. And let's not forget, Jamal, they're attacking students at the universities in, in the apartheid state, but they're also attacking students here in the United States who stand up for justice for Palestine, who are demanding a ceasefire, an end to settler colonialism. Our students here are getting doxxed, are getting I- identified, their names are being plastered on bull- billboards. And, you know, that same kind of threatening, bullying behavior that they're doing in historic Palestine in 1948, they're doing here too. You know, you have to be able to see, and we've been talking about this for many years, their response right now is, is in direct comparison to the extent that the world on the ground, people on the streets, regular citizens, are against the apartheid state and condemning them. They're freaking out about it as usual. And they don't know what to do about it. So they're making these outrageous statements and trying to put even more pressure on universities to, to kind of silence Palestine voices and Palestinian voices on campuses. I think that this is a historical moment, Jamal, where people who are silent right now against the genocide of Palestinians in Gaza are going to be on the wrong side of history, already are on the wrong side of history, but their silence right now universities are silent, companies are silent, people are just afraid to speak right now. We're witnessing a genocide, the Nakba of 2023, Jamal. We're witnessing this genocide right now, and people are afraid to speak. It's extraordinary. So I just want to say one thing, uh, I mean, regarding this, because I think their efforts will fail, because we see, and again, we see the reaction from the population. I mean, imagine right. imagine having college campuses. This is, uh, you know, you've been in academia so many years. You've witnessed demonstrations from the people demonstrating, you know, during the Iraq war and before that during Vietnam and so forth and expressing their opinions. The Zionist lobby really wants no discussion of whatsoever about Palestine. And this is, a, no. think about that. This is an attack on the Constitution, an attack on the First Amendment. But they are failing at it. We've seen that in in more authoritarian regimes, and I would say more authoritarian regimes, because at least in the United States, it 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 has not led yet to having the police and the government attack demonstrators like we've seen in Berlin, in Germany, where if you raise the, the Palestinian flag or demonstrated, people get beaten and getting arrested. Same thing in France. They couldn't stop them right? because it's, it's, it, you're not having 10, 20, 30 people going out on the streets. You're having tens of thousands of people. And when this happens, you cannot stop it. And so it, it is an important precedent in, in, in essence. I mean, this is the precedent where it, the public, the voters, the population, the, especially the young generation, they are totally in opposite of their governments in i mean you watch the forget it watch the presidential candidates from nikki haley to whoever the way they say things watch all the congress people and the senators the way they have been addressing this vilifying palestinians criminalizing them taking you know just just three weeks ago Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu was a persona non grata in the United States because supposedly he was silencing his own constituency and he was, you know, standing against the judicial system in his own country. 
Now they're quoting him word for word, regurgitating what he was saying, saying that Palestinians are animals and criminals and whatever, because, you know, if you debase and dehumanize people, then it's easy to look at their picture as they've been, as they're being getting slaughtered. That's exactly right, Jamal. But here's the thing. Things are going to get much worse. And our viewers and listeners need to know this. Because of the green light from the United States, from Joe Biden and the other Western NATO allies, this is going to get much, much worse. More Palestinian civilians are going to die. More Palestinian children are going to die. The situation in Gaza is beyond catastrophic. I mean, it is beyond catastrophic. There is no functioning hospital. There are 17,000 people right now, Jamal, living in Shifa hospital grounds, which uh, you know and I know we've been there. Um, we know what, how small that area is in Gaza City and how many people are living there because they think it's safe. It's not. So we have to be ready to, uh, unfortunately and very tragically, see that the world powers at this point may do nothing to stop this genocide right before their eyes. Well, that's why this is not the time to be silent. This is not the time to sit on your hands. You have to do something. You have to say something. And that's what we can do is report on the truth and, and basically listen to what's happening in, in Gaza. And I say, listen, because, and, and sometimes you cannot even watch uh, what's happening there and report it so the entire world can, can see this genocide taking place in, in real time. I mean, this is what's going on, a genocide happening in real time. And we have to say to all world leaders and all people of conscience, this is a moral moment, a moral historical moment where you need to take a side on, are you for genocide or are you going to demand an immediate ceasefire, a resumption of humanitarian aid, a resumption of the ability of hospitals in Gaza to treat the sick, the wounded, the dying, the ability of Palestinian physicians to be able to keep the incubators on for premature babies that were born during this slaughter and genocide of pa Palestinians. So when we look back at this historical moment, there's only going to be two kinds of people, Jamal, those who stood against genocide and those who were silent. You've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. Go to our website, arabtalkradio.com, to download the shows, and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week.